Greetings one and all wherever you are in the universe and welcome to the latest episode of an Espresso Shot of Confidence, the podcast that explores all aspects of confidence, challenges taboos and unhelpful narratives and empowers you to be awesome, loudly and proudly. It's time for yourself to grab a drink and settle in for the next however long this episode is. I'm your host, the master of awesomeness, Ashley Griffiths. And today we're going to be talking all about the wonderful world of planning and productivity. And who better to talk to about this than the awesome Louise Miller, the founder of Betty Lou, who helps her clients get more done without the overwhelm and faff that business owners all around the world know all too well, myself included. So, hey, Louise, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks, Ash. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Looking forward to diving into the two Ps. So how did how did you get into this wonderful world of planning and productivity? Mm, so it's a long story, but I'll try and do the short version. Back in 2016, I was diagnosed with work-related stress and anxiety back in my normal job. Um, and that kind of led to this massive realization that something needed to change. And I didn't want to repeat the pattern that I'd been stuck in, which was do a job really well, get promoted, realize it's not for me, and then run away and start all over again. So I decided I was going to do something different, which meant starting my own business, doing something on my own. And then that caused a whole other existential crisis because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I invested in a couple of courses to help me try and figure it out. And through all of that, I really dove deep into what comes naturally to me, what my strengths are, what my skills are, what makes me tick. And as a result of that, I thought, well, that's a bit boring because my natural kind of strengths and, and um, talents, if you like, are around being organized, being efficient, having attention to detail, getting stuff done, basically. And I thought, well, how on earth am I going to build a really exciting business around that because that just sounds really dull and I wanted to be that sparky creative excited person that you see out there running all these incredible businesses so I was kind of stuck in this like kind of feeling for a while until I went down to London to meet with some of the other people doing the course that I was on and we were sitting in a bar over a G&T chatting I was chatting with these amazing creative people who had loads of ideas too many ideas and they knew what to do with and when I was talking to them about what came naturally to me their eyes lit up and I kind of went, oh, (laughs) so what comes naturally to me for those people, they find it really hard and could really use a dose of that in their businesses and in their lives if they want to really make the impact they want to make. So that was a massive light bulb moment for me. And I think Mm. the whole, oh, that's a bit boring thing was was remedied for me when I realized that the fun in my business comes from the people that I'm working with. So I get to do what comes naturally and easily to me with people who I love hanging out with because they're just full of that energy and that spark and that excitement. And then I started to get excited about what I was going to do in my business. So I started out as a VA because that felt like an easy kind of transition out of my job into something fairly straightforward. Not that, you know, the work of a VA is always straightforward, but Mm. it felt like something people understood. I got lots of clients very quickly through that. People were referred to me. Um, and that was great for a while, but I knew it wasn't really what I wanted to be doing longer term. And what I'd noticed was that my clients I was working with as a VA were really struggling with those things that I find easy. They were struggling to stay organized, Mm -hmm. struggling to get stuff done. So I kind of shifted away from the VA stuff 
And I designed some courses and some mentoring programs around helping people be more productive. So teaching productivity, if you like. And then I very quickly realized actually that wasn't the thing either. What I realized was that the value I can really give to my clients is when I'm in the trenches with them. So not teaching them something theoretical, but actually being with them in the detail of what's going on in their business and helping them figure out how they're going to get everything done. So that basically is what I do now. I help those ideas people to stop faffing, stop frittering away their time, stay focused, get the important things done, see tangible progress in their business. So yeah, that's the short version. I love that. love that. And I'm sure loads of people would resonate with what you just said, that whole, well, this is what I'm good at, but it's not boring. People are going to pay me for that. But in fact, when you actually go out into the world and uh, and, and you talk to people, they're like, oh, my God, please help me. <laughs> I so need you in my life. Um, the same thing happened with me, with my business. That, that came by just hearing people going, oh, I can't do that. Uh, and for me the moment anybody says i can't do that that's like a red flag to a ball that is like right we'll see about that (laughs) um okay (laughs) so what what is it though about organization and planning i mean i've had this conversation i'm sure you've had many with your clients with people in your networks people just they their head goes to jelly when it comes to organization and planning some people can do it and some people just get lost why do you think that is to be honest i think it is just that we all have our own zones of genius and we all have the things that we find easy and the things that we don't you know there's stuff that my clients do i could never do and that's just red flag to a ball from what you've just been saying but you know things that i don't find easy um that my clients find really really easy and i what i see a lot that really makes me sad is a lot of shame and embarrassment from people that they struggle with this stuff Because, you know, they think that they're a smart, well, they are, they don't just think they are, they are a smart and savvy business owner. Um, They're very intelligent. So they feel like they should be able to have all of this organization productivity stuff nailed, but it's just not true. You know, we're not taught this stuff. It's something we're supposed to just absorb in some way and suddenly be able to, you know, to be able to get done and do, but we're all just wired very differently. So a big part of what I do is try and get rid of that feeling of shame and embarrassment so that people are more willing and able to ask for help um i had a conversation with someone who was wanting to join make it happen club a couple of weeks ago who said what will my friends think she was feeling so strongly you know she'd got a couple of phds she'd had a really high-flying career she was like what will my friends think if i need help with this and i just think that made me really sad (laughs) you know because there's nothing wrong with asking for help well, that's that. That goes across all gamuts of society. That does. Um, it, that that fear of judgment just really gets in the way. And and I think it again. One of the things I've noticed is the moment you mention the terms productivity, processes, and systems, people's that literally the screensaver goes on, or you see people running for the exits. It, I don't. Know, there's something about the words or the concept of it that people find overwhelming? I mean, do you find that? I absolutely do. And I don't like the word productivity. You'd have heard me say this before. You know, I think the word productivity, it does exactly that. For me, it's this kind of image I have of a a grey man in a grey suit pointing at charts. You know, it's all about widgets on a a factory line. How many, what's coming out at the end, you know, the output. Um, 
and this idea that we have to be cramming more and more into less and less time and that just feels really stressful so I don't like it and you're right you know the words processes and systems I think particularly for creative people they find they find those sorts of words quite constraining and they feel Mm. that they are going to be restricted in some way if they get some kind of structure in their life um, or try and put some systems in place they think that's going to prevent them from being their creative awesome geniuses when actually I believe the opposite to be true I think if you can find just the right amount of structure for you that's going to work for you, mm. that will allow you to actually complete the things you're starting, have the impact that you want to be making because you're finishing what you start, you're actually making those ideas happen. And I do believe there is stru- um, there's freedom in structure. Um, yeah, you know, freedom you from loads of half-finished ideas. You know, there's so many different ways of looking at it, but yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? What the la- the power of language and the words that we attach to things. Oh, it's massive. I mean, just as you were talking now at the start, there, I was kind of like grinning to myself because I was like, "That's so me." I I was so resistant to anything that involved any sort of formal structure for so long, in terms of this creative sphere. Um. When I've been in management, I was all about the systems and processes. But when I was in like the creative space, I was like, nah, not for me. But like you said, it's about framing it in a way that works for you and helps you get where you need to get. Yeah. And I think it's interesting as well. You just reminded me of another pattern that I quite often see with people when they come out of a nine to five job like I did with the whole stress and anxiety thing, which I think a lot of people who start their own business are coming out of something that wasn't feeling fun for them and so they run a mile from all of the things that they felt were keeping them hemmed in in that environment so they run a mile from the structure like you were saying and I think it can take a while to realize oh actually I need some of that back and we want that moment of freedom Mm. and you know running Mm. across the mountains sound of music style (laughs) feeling I'm free but actually if we have too much of that we don't get anything done so it's finding that yeah. just the right amount for you, which is individual for everyone. Okay, for sure. So it's around this time of the year we start hearing the word plans in excess as we come to the end of a year and the beginning of a new one. And people will have already seen it on LinkedIn and everywhere. Like, have you started planning for Q1 2024? Yeah. Or, and yeah, well, I'm not sure about what we'll do for my New Year's resolutions this year. And everybody kind of hops on the bandwagon. They put together loads of plans. They're like, okay, 2024, next year, that's my year. I'm going to absolutely smash next year. And then we get to January the 2nd, and the plans are in the box with the decorations. So what what is that all about? What, what do you think is, is going on there? Why do people, A, feel they have to do it? like a specific period of time and why don't they stick to it when they they commit to it yeah I mean I love a clean slate feeling as much as the next person so I'm all for the kind of let's let's view January as a clean slate and decide what we want to do differently I don't think there's anything wrong with that I think the problem is that people don't give that kind of thing the time and the space that it needs consistently over the year we get very swept up in the energy at this time of year and I was being more generous than you. I was thinking by, by February, they've forgotten all about it. In your life, maybe in the 2nd of January, they've forgotten about it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's this whole, we, we have these really big ideas, big intentions for ourselves. 
we throw everything at them for a couple of days while we're in that kind of oh excitement, new energy thing. And then we just go back to normal and forget about it. Or if things do go a bit wonky, maybe you do stick for a bit, stick with it for a bit longer. And by February, things haven't quite gone according to plan. Then people think they've failed and they'll just shove the plan or whatever it was they wanted to do to one side rather than figure out how they can adjust and recalibrate. So for me, I think the biggest thing that people don't do is recognize and acknowledge this is not a one and done thing. This is something you've got to keep checking in with over and over and over mm. and over again throughout the year. Um, you know, I had a, a client I was working with a couple of years ago who I think articulated this really brilliantly. She said to me that the, the thing that she was missing was the middle part of planning. So she was really great at knowing what needed to be done. So the whole, what's my, you know, what is it that I want to do? What are my goals? How am I going to get there? But then she turned that into a to-do list and wanted to get it all done by the end of the week, by the end of January or whatever, you know. But skipping the bit where you have to think, right, how much time have I got? How much energy have I got? What's my capacity? Is this really in alignment with what I want to be doing? What is going mm. on outside of my work and in the rest of my life that might be having an impact on all of this? Skipping that bit and just going straight to the, oh, I'm just going to try and get it done and then wondering why it didn't work. And I think it's a similar thing, you know, with the whole New Year thing. We need to be doing that checking in consistently. Oh, totally. I think that that from from my experience, uh, both personally and from what I've seen around me, is the number one reason things don't get things don't happen. Yeah. It's like you get you get the white noise. So, like example, right now, people will be logging on to LinkedIn or going to the networking, and people will be talking about, "Yeah, so are you ready for next year? You got everything in place?" And there's going to be a lot of people feeling very guilty, um, as a result of that, or feeling very insecure, even because they're like, "No, how do I do? How do I even do that?" Especially if you're new to it, it might be very overwhelming, and and you see this a lot, and. But then people then feel like, okay, well, I need to put some plans into place, but without actually, like you said, being mindful of, okay, A, do they actually want it? I think that's an important one. <laughs> is it actually something they want? And is it actually something that they have the time, energy, and resources to get done? Um, do you find that it's one of the areas where people kind of like fall off the uh, the precipice of getting stuff done? <laughs> yeah, I think... <laughs> what I find a lot with creative people is that their planning and that thing might include just gathering all of their brilliant ideas and going right all of these things. I'm going to do all of these things. And that is usually just a recipe for disaster because you can't do everything and expect to get any of it done. Um, I just, you'll have heard me say this before. I think that discernment is so key when it comes to this this whole productivity and getting things done thing because we can have all of the ideas but we need to choose and i think if we can do that in the planning phase and make those choices and using the checking in that we're doing we've been talking about around your capacity time energy and all that stuff make a choice about what it is that you want to actually do and then go all in on that until you see it through to completion and i think I might be going off on a tangent and not answering your question here, but I just want to say, I think there's two words that are really important that a lot of people, one of them I think they're scared of, the other one people just don't think about. I've already said one of them, discernment. I think making that choice is really hard for creatives mm -hmm. because they think in choosing a thing, they that means they will never do the other things. And it feels like choosing your favorite child, I think, for a lot of people. 
But we're not saying you're only ever going to do one thing. We're saying just do this one thing for now until it is done and then you can choose another one. Or just do this couple of things because I know some people don't want to do one one thing at a time. And there's a brilliant quote from Greg McEwen in his book Essentialism where he talks about the unfulfilling experience of making a millimetre of progress in a million different directions. And I think that's what happens for a lot of creative people. They're trying to do all of the things and they don't get very far with any of it. And then they feel um, completely unfulfilled, which means they lose their motivation. They want to give up and they feel a bit eh. Whereas if we can just use that discernment and go all in on one or two things, it's so much more satisfying. So discernment is one of them. And the other one is another D word, discipline, which a lot of people don't like that word for reasons we've already talked about. It feels like that structure and that constraint again. But if you think about where the word discipline comes from, it comes from disciple. So being a disciple to your idea, a disciple to your vision, staying committed to it with love and with dedication. Hopefully, if you can think about it like that, that kind of shifts the energy around it. And it's like, I love this idea so much. I am going to be a disciple to it. I'm going to be disciplined in sticking with this thing until it's out in the world, making its amazing impact. And then you get the you get the fulfillment and the joy of seeing it out there in the world doing its thing. And who doesn't want that? I don't know if that answered your oh, question, I but that. I, I went tro- off. It totally does. No, no, absolutely, it totally does. Because I think, just as a as a personal case study, what you just said there, you know, there was that bit where you said um, at the beginning, I was just like, I was laughing. I was like, yeah, that's me. I was like, I don't want to choose because I'll never get to do one if I don't do it. But then having that focus, actually having that focus that you talked about there, that discipline got things out into the world. I, I know I certainly last year I had two projects I wanted to bring out into the world. I, well, I had many projects, but I was like, these two things need to happen. They've got to happen. I'm making them happen. And all of a sudden the structure was necessary and important and helpful and made, the, and made it happen. And made it happen real quick because the focus was there. Yeah. So 100%. that's, yeah, it's real powerful for sure. But how about those creatives? We all know them and love them. I'm one of them. Uh, <laughs> that have got all of those ideas. Literally, they've got a million ways to solve the world's ills. And they'll probably create a million more tomorrow. But a lot of those things, a lot of those ideas never get any further. Well, some of them don't even get this far, but a lot of them don't even get as far. The furthest they get is a notebook. Yeah. And a notebook that slowly over time gathers dust. And then they just sit there. And these are brilliant ideas. And there's loads of creatives out there. I know you probably know a few of them as well that do this. They'll just say, they'll say to you, yeah, I've got this amazing idea, Louise. And then they never do a thing about it. Okay, so what advice could you give to give to us? I'm gonna I'm gonna throw me in there as well. The, that can get these ideas out of the world and start making a bigger difference. Yeah, and you know there are we there are no hacks, there are no quick fixes, there are no magic formula, but it does really just come back down to this idea of making a choice. So. Figuring out where you are right now, where do you want to get to? What what's your vision? Get really clear on your vision. Understand what your goals are, and try and use that as a filter to help you make your choice about which of those ideas is going to get your attention first or next. 
which feels like it's the most aligned with the energy you have right now, which feels most exciting to you, which is going to be the most impactful for you and for your people, thinking about your audience as well. And letting go of the idea that there's a right or a wrong choice, I think that can sometimes cause paralysis in people because they think, well, what if I make the wrong choice? There's no such thing. Mm. You've just got to make a choice, let go of that kind of perfectionism. And then I think it just just come back down to what we were saying before about the regularly checking in and regularly planning and pausing and, you know, looking at what's on your plate and making a decision about how you're going to spend your time, because that's what's going to keep you moving forward. Um, and the other great thing about that every month, if you did it monthly, every month when you sit down to decide what's going to get your focus that month, if you feel like you're coming to the end or you've just finished working on one of your ideas, that is your time to go back and look at those notebooks and go, oh, now what? What am I going to do next? So you know, and you have when you give yourself these regular check-ins, you know that there's an opportunity for you to have another look at that notebook and go, are any of these other ideas now ready to be brought out into the light? And knowing that if you say yes to one of those ideas, you will also need to say no to some other things. <laughs> so, and that is also quite a useful thing to be. Um, thinking about and it can help you I think to make sure you've finished one thing before you start the next one because if you start on one of those new ideas when you're this close to the finish line of another one you know that can throw you off track so I know a lot of my people are really they love the starting energy they love that energy of starting yeah. something and when it starts to feel heavy or boring or a bit tricky they want to run off and find that starting energy again because that's their happy yeah. place and that is where the discipline comes back in. And also where the checking in with why this is so important. What is it about this idea that you're so excited about? What impact will it make when it's out in the world? So go back to the big picture if you find yourself in that stuck, stagnant space, just to get excited about it again. Maybe have a chat with someone about it if you struggle with that on your own. Tuning back into that excitement as often as you can. And another little kind of... Um, trick i hate that word can't think of a better one another little trick if you are one of those people that loves the starting energy if you break that project down into small steps every time you start one of those steps that's a new start you're starting something again so you can kind of mm. play psychological games with yourself a little bit and allow yourself to see oh i'm starting this next bit now um which might sometimes feel like you're just i don't know it is a bit daft <laughs> especially if it's a bit that you find difficult, but um, it can help. It can help. No, I think again, it's, it's about making it work for you, isn't it? I think if you're, if you're creative, turning things into, into play, into areas where you can get curious, then that makes absolute sense to do that. I think for me, I know when I've done it, those projects, I literally work my way back from completion. And literally break it down to the first step, which might literally be pick up a pen. And then I got that and I, and I look, take that off on my to-do list. And I'm like, momentum. Yes. And then just doing these little things, again, it's, it's just really help making your brain work for you. Yeah. Um, so I think it, it's, it really is finding your own path. I think we, we live in a society where... And, and you've mentioned this a few times um, regarding hacks and one tricks. And this is the one way and stuff. We live in a society that kind of almost glamorizes this is the way. Um, 
when in fact it might not be for you. You know, you've got to find your own path, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. I think we're also in a very impatient society where we want everything to have happened by yesterday. So it can feel quite uncomfortable when things are taking longer than you thought that they would. And everybody thinks that things are going to be, you know, things won't take as long as they take. I have that with clients all the time. They think they can get something done in a few hours and it ends up taking them a whole day. That's very normal. And we've got to be with that discomfort sometimes and be okay with it. Um, and find, like you said, find the playful ways of making it work for you. And quite often, if there's a boring thing that a client needs to be doing and they just feel like, ugh, don't want to do it, I will be like, right, what can, what energy can you bring to it? How can we make this more you? What music can mm. you play? Where can you go and sit to get this done? What can you do after it's mm. done? Do you want to set a timer, put yourself under a bit of pressure? There's so many different ways of, of um, you know, figuring out what works for you. Um, and I love, I really love helping people find those. I've got a real kind of just toolkit of these various different ideas we can throw out and play with. And it's fun. It starts being fun when you see it through this kind of lens of play and curiosity and experimentation. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. As, as adults, we often forget that side of things, don't we? We're adults. We've got to be serious. And then when you throw in, I'm a business owner. Oh, my life. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know how that goes. Yeah. So it's like when we when we when we actually bring that playfulness, that curious energy that like you said, when you frame things in an energy that works for you, all of a sudden it just changes the whole dynamic of the work. Absolutely. Just a quick one to and, add to that. I've got a client at the moment. We had a big conversation about her favorite games and she loves bananagrams and she loves okay. Scrabble. And they both bring very different energy. So as I'm working with her, this is one of my private clients, and there's tasks on her to-do list or on her action plan that we're coming up with together. I'll be saying, right, is this Bananagram energy or Scrabble energy? And we'll use that kind of language to help her get into the zone that she needs to get to to get that thing done as efficiently as possible. And it's there's so many ways of doing it. It's It can be really good fun. Oh, it works a charm. Yeah, It really does. I mean, I've done similar things over the years with students with clients and stuff like when when they're like looking at things and thinking i can't do this this isn't me i'm not that type of person i'm like okay well let's see if we can frame this a different way mm -hmm. um and by doing that all of a sudden it just connects the dots yeah. and all of that block is no longer there yeah and they're like oh well this is straightforward I'm like well, it is now because you're actually seeing it as an opportunity, as something you can do, as opposed to this big, in, unsurpassable, I can't even say the bloody word, big, huge mountain. There we go. <laughs> in the way of where you want to get. Um, but I just want to come back to that. So some of these people that do start, that do actually get started. And then they're like, right, I'm all over this. I'm making things happen. I'm going to get it done. They're excited. And then they start scrolling social media. They start scratching the dog's belly. They start, oh, you know what? I'd really love to do the washing and ironing right now. And they end up 
debating for hours whether to show us shall I write the to-do list or shall I set up on Notion? And um, we're talking to faffers, the faffers of the world. So <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm prone to a good bit of faff myself. So <laughs> how can faffers stop faffing? What? <laughs> and get the job done uh, you have kind of alluded to some of that stuff already but let, let's see, exclusively aim this towards the faffers of the world yeah it's so interesting and i think people are going to hate me because i think my answers to these questions might feel really woolly but it really does come down to intention you know, being, I think a lot of the time when we're faffing, it's because we've sat down to do something and we're not really clear about what it is we're about to do. And we're just mm. kind of in that space of, oh, what am I going to do now? And then we find ourselves in faff mode. So I think the more we can do to have clarity at the start of the day or at the end of the day before around what it is that you actually want to get done the following day or during the day, if you're doing it in the morning, be really, really crystal clear about it. Connect with why those activities are important. Connect to what's going to become available to you when you've done them. And then just do your best to be intentional throughout the day. And I had a client once who her way of staying, I know it sounds so simple, just be intentional. But her way of kind of staying focused and staying intentional was to write on a piece of paper the thing that she was supposed to be doing and having it somewhere in her eyeline like on her laptop screen or something. So if she started mm. scrolling social media, it was there in her eyeline, and she was like, oh, no, I'm supposed to be doing that. And I talk a lot about productivity in a way that kind of aligns with the idea around mindfulness and meditation mm -hmm. because I think a lot of us don't like discomfort and we're faffing because something feels uncomfortable, we're not clear what we're doing, and we feel a bit like, ugh. Something's hard. I don't like it. I know. I'll go and do the, you know, alphabetizer tea bags or something, right? So we want to go do something easy. We need to sit in that. And I've said this already, but we want to, we need to sit and be with that discomfort to see that it's not going to kill us. And actually we can, we can find the grit, the grit and the discipline to work through it. And just as with meditation, you might sit down feeling really focused and start doing something. And then your mind might wander and you might start to realm go off into faff mode just as with meditation the minute you notice yourself doing that you just bring yourself back to the task and it can be a practice um and the idea is that the more you do that without beating yourself up without judgment hmm. the longer the spell of time between periods of faffage <laughs> the longer faffage. you'll be able to stay focused i love that <laughs> And I know that's not like, oh, just do this. But it, it is just about paying attention and noticing and being okay, being uncomfortable and just sticking with it anyway. You know, there's no magic wand. Yeah, for sure. No, I think, I think again, it's, it comes very personal. I, I, I know for me recently, my trick with the faff was, well, time blocking. And then when the faff did kick in, being like like very much like with the kind of meditation and the mindfulness sort of approach just come back and go okay how is this helping me right now yeah and i'm like uh, uh yeah no it's not okay <laughs> and then you know sheepish grin and back to whatever it was, was meant to be doing because i think that's the danger isn't that i think from a from a creative point of view from a, an actual task completion point of view if you're literally switching constantly 
between tasks. That ain't no good for your brain. Yep, <laughs> In terms no. of like operational power, right? Yeah, I think there was research that said it takes 23 minutes for you to get back into focus if you're switching between things. And what a waste mm. of time that is. <laughs> yeah. For sure. For sure. And it, it just really, I know, I know personally, it really does mess with your focus if you're constantly just switching between. I think, I think it is important um, to have those breaks where you can go and scratch the dog's belly or go and make a cup of tea or whatever. I think it's really important to have those because I think there's, I think there's a fine, there can be a very fine dividing line, can't there, between flow and just doing stuff, just being busy. Um, because you think you're getting stuff done, but you're not actually doing anything. Yeah, 100%. And I think, again, that's where the regular check-ins, if you are starting the month, the week, the day, knowing what's important, you therefore know what's not important. And you will notice mm. if you're spending all of your time doing busy work, because the things that you'd said were important at the start of the day, the week, the month, you'll notice you're not getting them done. And a lot of the time this takes practice. You know, I have people in Make It Happen Club who come back month after month after month and incrementally they're noticing their patterns. Incrementally they're noticing, oh, I'm mm. still trying to get too much done. Oh, I'm still giving all my focus to this thing over here instead of that thing over there. But you need to allow yourself to stop and acknowledge those things in order to be able to do something about it. So if we've just got our head down the whole time in go, go, go mode, you're not allowing yourself yeah. that reflection and that awareness building, that curiosity. Okay, for sure. And how can like all this constantly be hustling? Because again, I think this, we've, we've already talked about this. We constantly got these messages around us about all these people, you know, messages like sleep is for losers or, you know, I worked 57 hours a day last week and, and all of that crap. And what do you mean you didn't work that much? Do you care about your business? I mean, what's wrong with you? You've got these, these messages that are very pervasive. Um, especially on LinkedIn, and 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 you see that stuff on Instagram as well. Um, it, 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 it honestly, it really pisses me right off. Uh, but what is the what impact? You know, does that if you kind of dive into that state where you're like, okay, I need to just be hustling here. I need to be like working. I need to be on, 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 on. I mean, what impact does that have on creativity? It's terrible for your creativity. It's absolutely terrible. I mean, not just because it will be impacting your sleep, and we know how important sleep is for our general well-being, but, you know, our brains have two modes. We've got central executive mode, which is what's responsible for all the diagnostic stuff, the analytical stuff, the doing is what we would normally think about in terms of productivity is that central executive mode. But your, your brain also has wandering mode, which is the more playful, intuitive, relaxed side of things. And we need both of those things to be working if we're going to be at our best, but we can't be in both modes at the same time. So if you are always in that hustle mode and you're always using that central executive part of your brain, you're not giving it space to wander. And I think yeah. we all know that we have our best ideas, our most creative thoughts, the solutions to all of our problems when we're in the shower, because we're yeah. not in that hustle doing mode. We're kind of on autopilot. And your brain is able to squirrel away on all of this stuff in the background without you even realizing it's doing it. And I think when we're pushing so hard and we're in hustle all the time, that kind of background stuff that's going on in our subconscious hasn't got the space. So 
your creativity will start to shrivel up and it's really harmful. And I think, you know, I, it makes me kind of sad that we have that I have to talk about it like this, but because we should accept and be okay needing rest because we are human beings, not human doings. However, if it helps for people to understand how important rest is for productivity, you know, laziness, we're so scared of being perceived as lazy, which is why I think when we see all of that stuff on social media, it makes us feel really guilty and we start comparing Mm -hmm. ourselves. It's almost like lazy is the worst thing we can possibly be when actually that lazy self, that rested self that's got space is where a lot of your wisdom lies. So if you Mm. don't ever allow yourself to be in inverted commas lazy and to rest and do nothing, you're going to be missing out on all kinds of things that you're, you know, you're not giving your brain space to do that messages that your body might be telling you. We really, really need to allow ourselves rest and not feel guilty about it um, in order to be at our best in terms of productivity and creativity. Oh, most definitely. I've read read a few studies on this now about the wandering mind and how this always being on. Like you see people when you go out like walking and they're just on their phones. So they're not giving themselves that space away from their desk, away from their life to actually be like, let the mind do its thing. And yeah, it concerns me from a creativity point of view, especially now that you can just click a few buttons and they'll get a bloody computer algorithm can do it for you. So yeah, that does concern me moving forwards. Yeah. I mean, for me, I kind of had my big, light bulb moment around all of this back when I was in the work related stress and anxiety phase. I mean, I was completely wrung out. We'd just got married. I'd got the flu. I was really not well. And I just picked up my phone and asked, how can I slow down? And this whole world of slow living opened up for me. And that has kind of underpinned not just how I live my life, but how I am in my business, the the philosophy I bring to everything that I do, how I approach things with my clients. And slowing down actually is a bit of an act of rebellion these days, I think. It's so ingrained in me, I sometimes forget that. But I think a lot of people get scared of the word slow because they think, but hang on a minute, aren't we supposed to be getting there faster, wherever the heck there is? For me, I would much rather slow down, and slow meaning being intentional, not slow as in making drawing out a five-minute task so it takes three hours. This is just about slowness as in intentional. I would much rather move through life like that and enjoy the journey than Mm. feel like I've got to rush around, get all of the things done so that I can meet my goal by three o'clock tomorrow afternoon and be miserable. It's not what I want. Yeah. And you see that, I think you see a lot of people end up getting overwhelmed, very overwhelmed and it shows up in loads of different ways. Um, be the actions people are taking from a from a place of scarcity and lack be the level of anxiety the lack of sleep um you see it show up in a lot of people and a lot of people get burnt out especially in the small business world and it comes up to this time of the year and i was just talking to a few business owners yesterday and i was like okay any plans for christmas now i'm working through and i was like okay personal choice but something in me kind of died it's like takes bloody time off yeah um 
but you know there's going to be a lot of people coming towards the end of this year let's kind of talk about them that are going to be feeling frazzled overwhelmed and just desperately wanting to dive into that turkey dinner um or 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 not roast for us vegetarian vegans in the room um they're going to be diving into that so is there any tips you know that you can give them to say right okay you've got a new year coming up you're going to have that rest then how can they bring a bit more calm and that slow living that you said there into their lives without thinking well shouldn't i be working more yeah okay so hopefully i've got time to share a bit of an analogy here which i think is going to be helpful so quite often when we're on a journey as a business owner it's as if we're wandering around a forest right we're wandering about in a forest we know where we want to get to we know roughly what direction we want to be heading in but there's loads of obstacles along the way there's muddy puddles tree roots to fall over you can't walk in a straight line in a forest because there's these things called trees that kind of get in the way so it's very easy to start feel like you're feeling like you're walking around in circles and you're not getting anywhere and you can start to feel a bit panicked overwhelmed as you were just saying you know and all of that stuff kind of start to kick in what do we do when we're in that state? Do you just keep walking around the forest floor, still feeling like you're going around in circles, or do you stop and take a rest? So what I, what I think is the correct thing to do here is to stop and take a rest. And then let's just pretend we're in that forest and we look up and there's a tree house up in the trees. And we go, oh, that looks nice. I'm going to go up there. It's all lovely twinkly lights. It's all very cozy and inviting looking. So we climb up to the treehouse, sit down on one of the comfy cushions, take a bit of a breather, and then we go look out the window. And all of a sudden, you can look back and see how far you've come. You can see actually you've covered more ground than you thought when you were wandering around in circles on the, on the forest floor. You can see where you're going, looking in the other direction, which makes you feel you know, motivated and hopeful that you're going to get there. And you can also start to map out the route because you can see down, you can see where the obstacles are. You can, and you can also see there are other tree houses along the way. So as long as you're heading in the right direction for a bit, you get to get back up into another tree house and have another little look again. And I think a lot of us think that productivity is what we're doing when we're on the forest floor and we're wandering around and we're actually in action and in motion. For me, productivity happens before that. Productivity is what happens before we start to take action. Um, and I, I've shared it with you before, Ash. I've come up with this thing called the progress cycle, where you start with a pause. Then you get to reflect. So think about what it is that you want to do. Then you get to make that choice, mm. that discernment that we were talking about earlier. Then after you've done pause, reflect, choose, then you take action. And then completion becomes inevitable. And you just keep going around and around that cycle. And so as people move into the new year, I think if you can keep that analogy of the treehouse in your mind as a regular checking in point and remember that progress cycle of pause, reflect, choose, then act and complete, I think that will naturally help you to slow down. It will mean that you're not doing busy work the whole time. It will allow you to focus, find clarity of purpose, all of that good stuff that we want as we move into a new year. Love it. I love it. I love that treehouse. I can see it now. And on top of that, it's the fact that that image is in, a, in nature as well. And that's just to kind of go off on a little bit of a tangent here. That is just so good for the brain as well. 
um, being in green spaces, being around nature, not being surrounded by concrete and neon signs, as much as I love neon signs, but actually out in nature and green stuff. So, oh, that's awesome. I'm feeling very chilled and calm now. Good. So um, if anybody would like um, to find that treehouse, um, but is not sure how to do that, how can you help them do that? Um, well, I offer an, a version of the treehouse in Make It Happen Club. So there's some information about that on my website. In the meantime, I do have a free resource that will help people that feel like they're wasting time on tools that don't work. Um, and they actually want to start getting things done in a way that feels good to them. So this could be something you do whilst in the treehouse. Take your pause, then go get this resource and work through it. It's called the Holy Grail of Productivity. And you can find it at bettylooonline.com slash holy grail. And that's really going to help you figure out what makes you productive so you can cut through all of that noise. Fabulous. And the links to that will be in the show notes. So uh, go and search for the holy grail. <laughs> and so the last thing to ask before we ride off into the sunset is the question, the ultimate question. And that is, what is your espresso shot of confidence for our listeners? So remember that if you struggle with this stuff, there is nothing wrong with you. You are not broken. You don't need fixing. It's, and the really important thing to remember here, I think, is that your productivity superpower is your own curiosity and your own self-awareness. So instead of looking out there for a quick fix or for an off-the-shelf solution, take some time to notice and you know get to know what really works for you and what doesn't, because that's what's going to help you cut through the noise so that you can start working with yourself, with your natural preferences and your natural tendencies and stop fighting against yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Love it. And yeah, you can apply that to so many ways, so many areas, can't you? <laughs> Absolutely. So thank you so much for uh, sharing all your pearls of wisdom this fabulous day. Thank you, Ash. It's been fun. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's been awesome to have you. Awesome to have you. And it's been awesome to have you along for the ride as well, the awesome listeners wherever you are in the world. So don't forget to subscribe wherever you're listening or watching this episode. And as we ride off into the sunset, as always, don't forget to be awesome.